to the Magic of the Spheres podcast. This is Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. In case this is your first time here, welcome. I'm super excited to have you. I'm an evolutionary astrologer who writes weekly forecasts at monarchastrology.com, and I started this podcast to have more eclectic conversations about personal development, both through the lens of astrology and otherwise. Before I got deep into my astrology practice, which has always been an interest, um, even since I was a kid, I found myself constantly wondering about the human condition. And these are the kinds of conversations I want to cultivate here, along with thoughts on how to lead richer and more empowered lives. On today's episode, I'm sharing a conversation that I had with Jedi Azuma, whose work centers around men and masculinity. In a current moment where there's so much accelerated attention and analysis on patriarchal conditioning and toxic masculinity, a phrase later critiqued in this episode, it seems important to develop a meaningful relationship with the masculine, whether we're considering our embodiment of the masculine or how we participate with the masculine. I invited Jetty on the show because I wanted to learn more about what men's work is and some philosophy around it, like what we're talking about when we say masculine. This is, of course, tapping into a vast conversation with many angles, and I want to acknowledge that I do have queer and gender nonconforming folks in my audience, and that this episode, depending on how you relate with gender, may or may not align with your personal values or path. But I did really want to open up this conversation because I believe men's work is incredibly valuable for those who it touches and those who it ripples out to indirectly. And I also think Jetty is an amazing human who is really building community to help men who are lone wolfing it to find each other, normalize each other's experiences, tap into the heart, and help each other lead empowered and integrated lives. Jetty is also a podcaster of the Rising Man podcast, and I found his voice particularly soulful and see him as someone who is full of aliveness in his purpose and path. I also find him to be routinely sharing poignant ideas on the podcast and on his Instagram and have been especially touched by his reflections on creating safety for women. And for any women who are listening, who are seeking romantic partnership with men who have the question, where are the conscious men? I have some thoughts for you at the end of this episode too. Here's a little more about Jetty before we begin. As a newly minted college grad and healthcare professional, Jetty soon began to experience the pain of having no sense of higher purpose or meaning in his life. A life-changing run-in with the law and his own deep personal reflection sent him on a 3,000-mile journey across the country to discover meaning. From silent meditations to fasting in the wilderness for four days and nights, Jetty discovered the importance of men's circles and rites of passage, and has since dedicated his life to providing these opportunities for other men seeking their purpose. Jetty is the creator of the Rising Man Movement, one of the founders of the Conscious Man Brotherhood, CMB, and Man Cave. He leads men on rites of passage journeys to initiate an entire generation of men and to mold the leaders of future generations. He is a husband, father, martial artist, and mentor to men of all ages. ever wonder about your past lives? Looking into past lives is like discovering a more comprehensive narrative about who you've been and how it affects you in this life and what your mission is in this life related to that legacy you've come here with. 
In both good times and bad times, having a mythology about myself to resource and live into has been totally life-giving. I'm talking about finding the information, the language that gives you chills. Your whole body and nervous system responds with this, yes, this resonates so deeply and I feel more seen than I ever have in my life. Well, that's what astrology can do for us. And studying astrology in depth can also resource us with the ability to make connections between the wisdom we source from this practice and how to make it livable, how to embody these truths. There's just a few weeks left to sign up for the upcoming Evolutionary Astrology Intensive starting January 27th with a January 24th deadline to enroll. This is a comprehensive program that will take you through the technical and mythical need-to-knows to be able to read natal charts from the perspective of the soul's ongoing evolution. This course has both recorded lectures, which are available for viewing permanently, and live sessions, and I'm here to mentor and support you along the way as questions arise. I also have designed this program to be community building. Past students of this course have formed enduring friendships and even study groups. There's nothing like finding your astrology community or making new soul friendships if you're already blessed with an astro community. Learn more about the course and enroll by clicking in the link in the show notes or going to www.monarchastrology.com and clicking the menu tab called study. Email me at sabrina at monarchastrology.com if you have any questions. I'm here to help and discuss with you. I'm happy to talk to you about your personal learning goals and feel out with you if this course is a good fit for you. And now here's my conversation with Jetty Azuma. I'm here with Jedi Azuma, men's mentor, circle leader, and podcaster of the show, The Rising Man. And I'd just love to dive in and hear about your background, what brought you to this line of work of working with men and leadership and creating men's circles. Uh, well, thank you, Sabrina. And to answer your question, what brought me here, what brought me to this line of work? It was my own experience, my own journey in discovering what it meant to be a man and not having enough examples of men that showed me the version of manhood that I, that I wanted, that I craved, that my soul was asking for in, until I came out to California. And so I grew up in the East Coast outside of New York City. And uh, I, I have a very typical story, I think, where my, you know, my, my father, he was, he was actually a really, he's a great dad. He has, I have a great relationship with him. He's a great example in many ways of the man that I choose to be. But I've, I realized over the years that the men that we become is really just a compilation of the different men, the best of the best that we've witnessed in, in our lives. And so when I was 23, I was at a point in my life where I had finished college, finished graduate school, had a job as a physical therapist in New York City, young, single, having a good time, uh, making good money, more money than I needed at that point in time. And I felt empty. I felt completely lost. I, I wanted to do more with my life and didn't know where to go. And at that point, I had my dad, I had some uncles and not much else to really give me the direction I was looking for. Nobody that was speaking my language from a few miles down the road when it came to becoming a man and really being the man that I wanted to be. So intuitively, my journey carried me from the East Coast to the West Coast, 
looking for mentorship, essentially looking for elders to help illuminate the path or at least show me something. Not, I didn't know what, but show me something that I wasn't getting in the cohorts that I was with in the city. And that led me on an amazing four month adventure all through the West Coast, Southwest, on and off reservations, in and out of Vipassanas, Burning Man, you name it. It was quite an experience. And eventually I landed inside of a men's circle here in Southern California. And I never looked back because I saw men doing stuff that I had never seen men do in my whole life. In 25 years, I'd never seen men in the same five minutes challenging each other to the point where you thought, that they were going to throw down and then, you know, at the end of it, you know, hugging each other in tears. So, uh, just a real, really unique experience of manhood and masculinity that showed me something different, showed me a different version of how I could show up and be a man in this world. Beautiful. You know, I, I'm not going to geek out on astrology too much, but at the age of 24, there's a really significant transit that everyone has, um, a return of the planet Jupiter, which is about people's truth and their path. So it's really interesting mm -hmm. that you had that experience um, tracking what happens at age 24 can often speak to, you know, what we do in a bigger sense in our lives. Yeah, for sure. Uh, there's, there were so many synchronicities, um, things that couldn't be explained by logic, which I was way into at that point. I was, I was happy to hand over my destiny to the stars at that point in my life, because up until then I'd leaned heavily on logic and logic just wasn't helping me anymore. I, I couldn't rationalize what was calling me to leave my family, my community, everything I ever knew, a great job to go West with a backpack and a djembe. It was, it was completely irrational. And yet there were indications and mile markers along the way that really confirmed I'd made the right choice. So Jupiter, yeah, Jupiter coming <laughs> back around again, I guess. Yeah, that's epic. I'm glad that you did that. And mm -hmm. I've heard you talk a bit on your podcast. Um, you use the word heart-centered men or the phrase heart-centered men. And I'm curious what that means. Like, what does it mean to be heart-centered? And for those people, you know, how can you tell that you're not heart-centered, that you have a block there? That's a really good question. Uh, my version of heart-centered means that I've got a clear line of communication with my heart. And when I speak of heart, uh, you know, there's the organ that is your heart. But I think most of the time when we're talking about heart as an abstract part of our being, it's that feeling sense. It's that part that makes us human, that allows us to empathize, to feel, to feel. So to be heart-centered means to be in touch with how I feel about things about myself, about my relationships, about the world. And so a man who is heart-centered is a man who is aligned and grounded in his feelings. He's not led or he's, he's the master of his emotions. He's, he's not the one who is being driven all over the crazy train of, of, of the emotional roller coaster. And, uh, that's, it's a much more difficult journey than it sounds like to come from a place that I like that, where we can feel feelings, but not have them dictate all of our choices. Totally. Yeah. Self-mastery. Mm -hmm. And so early on when you met these mentors, uh, I'm curious kind of what, um, what you were introduced to during this time that was new to you. So in, in one word, masculinity, raw masculinity, edgy, old school, grungy, 
not so nice masculinity at times, uh, but a different type of love that I saw men giving to each other. Uh, my belief is that the educational system, the way it's set up, boys are raised around women pretty much our entire childhood. The majority of educators are female. And in a lot of homes, I know in my home, my mom was the number one parent because my dad was working a lot. You know, no fault of his, no fault of hers, just consequences of this, the way I grew up and I think the way a lot of other boys grow up. And so some of that raw masculine edge that I needed in my life to hold me accountable, to hold me, hold my feet to the fire, to reveal what everyone else in the world was seeing, but wouldn't tell me because they just wanted to put on a smiley face and let everything be cool was exactly what I needed. And it's uncomfortable. It's one of the most uncomfortable things to have a really honest mirror held up to oneself. But at the age of 25, where I had a very high opinion of myself without knowing I had a high opinion of myself <laughs> and was believing a lot of my own BS, having older guys that could in a very masculine, lovingly way say, Hey, you're full of it. What, what's really going on? What's really happening beneath there? Uh, so without getting too explicit about the things that we do on a men's circle or on my men's team, it was, it was that, it was just that it was very simply men taking the risk, risking, risking the relationship for the sake of my path, my journey, my destiny. Yeah, it's really interesting because growing up, I remember kind of receiving the message that it was good to be around other women and like have, you know, girl time and that I knew that men or boys would hang out with each other, but there wasn't like a ceremony or really a structure around it. Mm -hmm. And it was only um, probably in the last couple of years that that concept has shown up more in the community around me and things that I've read. Um, what do you feel happens um, for men in general when they find their community versus when they're alone? Well, we realize that we're not unique, that the challenges that I'm going through, the internal dialogue I'm having is actually way more normal than I give it credit for. That's uh, probably the biggest, oh my God, kind of hit is these guys are just like me. They're talking about the same things that I feel shame, guilt, frustration, anxiety, depression about. They're, they're, they're basically telling me my story with their details, but they're within their narrative. So just that sense of relatability and camaraderie that, hey, you're not alone and you're going to be all right. You can do this uh, was especially at the age of 25. That's that's what I needed the most was to re realize that, hey, what I'm experiencing is actually very normal. I was feeling a sense of not knowing what to do with the unknown, not knowing how to generate purpose in my life because I had all of this energy, all of this enthusiasm to make impact, make a difference. But I just had nowhere, no idea where to direct it. And, you know, to, to be reflected by men that were more than twice my age, because I, I, I found a circle that was guys that were double my age, every single one of them, about seven of them. And for them to reflect back to me that, hey, you're doing better than all of us were at your age by far. You're doing just fine. Hang in there. Just, just keep coming back every two weeks <laughs> was basically the message. And uh that, that was, that was what I needed. So I think that's the biggest thing that most men get when it's their first time experiencing that 
Um, and it frustrates me how it's still so challenging for guys to ha- have the courage and the confidence to step into that space. The fears of judgment, of looking like we don't have our stuff together, like we're incapable, incompetent, is so overwhelming that we won't allow ourselves to be in relationship with other other men, especially men that we see as being farther ahead or more competent than we are. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. And that feels like maybe an illustration of some of the cultural barriers, uh, mm-hmm. just in terms of our conditioning that keeps men from connecting with each other. Yeah, it's a, it's the unhealthy expression of competition within the masculine, in my opinion, because there's a very healthy version of competition within the masculine that's great. That's, 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 that's what sports, athletics, competitive spirit is founded upon is a, is a desire to come out victorious. Uh, but with men, there's a way that we can do that where it's not malicious and we don't have to ch- cut each other down. I think capitalism and Western, the Western mentality, the Western mindset manifests destiny, thinking very uh, e- egocentrically of how does this benefit me has has conditioned us to come at competition from that angle. And so learning to do it a different way, to really root for each other, to really, really want each other to win, that's that's life-changing. And that's why I do the work that I do because I know how much of a difference it makes. It's like having a superpower when you have a team of men who have your back, who are not going to sell you out, who are not going to let you fall into believing your own BS again. It's 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 a rarity still. And you know, that's, that's what we're out to do. We're out to make that the norm. So when you said the word purpose, I lit up because I recognize that word as an association with the masculine or the divine masculine. I'm wondering what are the kind of core traits that you associate with masculinity? With masculinity for me, it's, um, focus, direction, discipline, logic, groundedness, uh, feet on the earth, a container, I often speak about the masculine uh, being in connection with the element of fire uh, because of everything that I just said, that our, our qualities and characteristics that describe fire and vice versa. And I also think of the masculine as the container that holds or contains the feminine. So my vision of a harmonious society is where the masculine can form the container in which the feminine can dance in the center and feel protected and safe to be fully expressed. And, uh, that sense of protection, guardianship providing is my version of a healthy masculine. Beautiful. And the ways that that expresses itself, like in an unhealthful way, what would that be? Well, I often make this distinction between boy and man. And before I even describe the boy side of things, there's no, I don't believe in anything being toxic or poisonous or bad. I think that there's unhealthy or underdeveloped elements of masculinity and femininity, but to call it toxic for me is, is separatist. It's Mm. if anyone called you toxic, the last thing you're going to want to do is be in relationship with those people. So got to put a stop to that. So when, I, when I'm talking about a boy and the qualities I'm going to des- describe here, it's not to make the boy bad. It's just to acknowledge that there's a way of being that the boy is in the world that is different than a man. Because for me, a boy that less developed masculine is about adventure, testing his limits, seeing what lights him up. What is, what is the world all about? 
discovery, adventure, fun, discovery, adventure, fun, rinse, repeat until those cycles are complete. And so a boy isn't capable of thinking about how can I be of service to the world because he's more interested in how is the world going to be of service to me? So a lot of times we see boy behavior continue on into adulthood or what adulthood ought to be. And um, a woman named Alison Armstrong calls guys, guys who are considered to be adults, but behave on a maturity scale as boys. She calls them boys, you know, like men boys, I guess is another way of saying it. So to me, that's, I don't know if unhealthy is really the way I would describe it. I would say undeveloped and uninitiated, uninitiated men, uninitiated males is what you end up getting. I appreciate that distinction. It's Mm -hmm. been really interesting to watch this conversation unfold on social media for the last years of just this kind of gender dynamic and the conversation of toxicity, right? Yeah. I mean, toxic, I mean, still water is, is poisonous, right? Still water is, has all kinds of bacteria and parasites that will kill you. So poison toxicity, it's something if we, if we allow that to be our way of describing people or ways of being, then we might as well give up on them. And I think that that actually reflects a lot of the results we see in our society. You know, nine out of 10 suicides are male. 99% of people who go on shooting rampages are men. How many, how, how many times does that have to happen? How heavily slated do the percentages and the statistics need to be for us to see that these are not evil men, but males who have been underappreciated, abused, unexpressed, unaccepted by society? So if we, if we want that stuff to change, then we've got to stop calling it that over there and take responsibility for all of it ourselves as a collective. So, yeah, it's been interesting to see. But as soon as that word toxic started coming out, I was like, oh, man, this has to stop. This is not this is not the way of accomplishing this. That's shaming. We talk about don't shame people. Well, then don't don't give people reason to feel ashamed. So I really appreciate you naming that. Um, It's interesting, too, because there's a relational quality to this. There's a relational dance like this isn't happening in a vacuum. And when we kind of add fuel to the flame, so to say, and like shame people or, you know, create divisiveness, it kind of amplifies exactly what it is that we were shaming in a sense. At least that's been my experience of it. Um, So I'm curious how you feel, you know, how relationship comes into play with this, like what brings out the best in men or in the masculine from the people around them or the field around them? Yeah, well, my my response to that has to do with what every man, no matter who we're talking about, but every one who identifies as a man or has a strong masculine component to them is a deep desire to be of service. That is at the core of every single one of us, every single man walking this planet wants to be of service, wants to help, wants to be useful to people. And that's why there's such a, it's just an issue with validation, right? Because one way that we assess whether we're valuable or not is if there's the feedback we get externally, like you do a really great, you're a great storyteller. Awesome. Okay. Well, I got that. That's something that I do well. Okay. You like my stories? Wonderful. I'll keep telling them. 
Uh, obviously, that's a whole nother conversation of how heavily we lean on external validation and external assessments. But at the base of it, it's that we want to know that we have something of value to give. And if it, it, there has to be a community in order for us to give our gifts. So that's really where partners, children, elders, other community members, next door neighbors, coworkers come into play is simply being in a man's atmosphere gives him reason to give back to support. And you'll, you'll notice this, that men who've really are, have clarified who they are and who that, how they stand on this planet, what their values are and how they move in this world and navigate life. They're always looking for ways to be of service, whether it's holding open a door, helping somebody move, loaning somebody a few hundred bucks, um, you name it. All of those are acts of service because that's what we want to do at our core, but it doesn't work without community. True. Um, are you, did you read like any of John Gray's work or men are from Mars, women are from Venus? Oh, you know, you know, it's funny. My dad gave me that book to read when I was, I think I was 15 years old. I was in my first serious relationship. Uh, if you want to call it serious back then. And, um, it was probably the only personal development book my dad read because he's a very traditional, stoic, you know, hardworking kind of guy. But for some reason, he had this book. And when he saw me having trouble with, <laughs> with my first relationship, he said, hey, read this. And I only read the first two or three chapters. So, yes, I'm familiar with it, but it's been a long time. I just read it recently and it really shifted my perspective in a big way. Um I, there's so many conversations around me about like non-binary stuff and I have an appreciation for that as well. And I have my own process of owning my masculine and feminine. And so there's a fluidity there. And at the same time, when I read this book, I had numerous kind of facepalm moments of being like, oh, I've done that. And my past relationships started to make a lot of sense. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, John Gray lays out some different values of like how men want to be treated and how women want to be treated. And I noticed mm -hmm. that when I proactively treat people or treat men the way that this book is speaking, that this different or more noble side of men comes out and that I was kind of waiting for men to show that first of like, you know, you act mm -hmm. a certain way and then I'll act a certain way. Mm -hmm. And it was really helpful to see that. Um, and just to have that experience. And so I guess what I'm curious about that then is how does the feminine or um, how can women support men in their lives who are, you know, doing this work or even men that are, you know, on the threshold of doing this kind of work? Yeah, regardless of where a man is at in his you know, quote unquote work. Yeah, know, maybe that's a weird way to, to <laughs> phrase it. the question. I, I, I just I say that because. You know, we're, we're in a field here that's still developing and evolving and finding its identity. And it, it generates buzzwords just like every other industry. And the work, right, is, is becoming something that actually pushes people away. So all we're talking about is learning and experience. Life experience is what we're talking about here. So wherever a man is in his life experience journey, we're all looking for the same thing. We're looking for a game that we can win. And I believe this goes all the way back to our hunter mentality. Hunters across species, male, female, masculine, or feminine, there's a tendency to pick off the, the weaker, the, the lame, the olds, the, the trimming the fat of the pack, right? Is, is that's why the strong, the strongest survive. So there's this, because it costs a lot of energy to chase down an antelope, 
and you want to give yourself the best odds of success. So that in a logical mind, in a masculine mind, we're looking for a game that we can win. And so going back to your example of clear communication and showing a man, whether it's through your language, through your actions, through some other way of creating an invitation, letting him know where he can win, then like, like, Hey, you know, I, I'm having a, such a hard time putting this desk together. Could you help me? Then he can say, yeah, I can. I, I know how to do that. Yes. I'd be happy to be honored to. That's, that is a very simplified version of that, that I believe can, you can take an example like that and look for it everywhere in your life. So if you're a woman or someone operating from more of a feminine way of being in the world, then dealing with men or the masculine, make sure you communicate a way that we can win that we can be of service is really what that translates to. How can, how can I help you? <laughs> how can I be of service? And let me know because I can't read your mind. <laughs> I was going to say, cause that's the kind of vying perspective of like, can't you just read my mind? Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, and I know that that's, I mean, I'm married five years now. I've been with my wife since 2012 and we, all the time. She's like, I wish you would just do this without me having to ask you to do it. Now, part of that is, well, I'm not always thinking of the things that you don't ask me to do. I'd rather you just ask me to do them and I'd be happy to. That's the masculine logic. But then there's also leaving room for her truth that it's nice to have a partner who thinks about something that you want or may need without having to ask for it. There's there. I, I get it. I, I get that. I don't get it because if I need something or I want something, I ask her very directly <laughs> or, or I'll ask someone else in my life. But that's because the ratio of my masculine to feminine feminine is like this, whereas hers is the other way around. So back to John Gray, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. We have some very distinct differences and that's okay. But if we, if, if I expect her to be you know, a really pretty, beautiful man, <laughs> you act like a man, but look like a woman. And she does the same to me, expecting me to be, you know, a long haired, hairy girlfriend, then it's not going to work out. <laughs> that just doesn't work. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking back to what I said too about the work and realizing too, that it's, it's not really, um, like that. You're right. That it's, it's just a way of, like another way that I can think about it is just a way of treating people that invites the best out of others um, or opens up a space for that person to shine. And it, if it's informed in terms of what's different about us, it's not treating mm -hmm. people um, like from the feminine, treating the masculine, how we imagine we would want to be treated. It's like this understanding of how the differences are. So in thinking about a world where men have the initiations that they need um, and that development is there, what do you see as the gift of the masculine for the times that we're in right now? That's a really good question. Um, well, again, back to the distinction of boy and man. A boy is one who navigates the world looking for how the world can be of service to him. What does the world have to offer me? I look to be, a boy looks to be taken care of by the world, whereas a man is looking for how he can be a caretaker of the world. How can I take care of my people, of my planet, of my home? And so to have 
an entire generation of men who are thinking about how we can be of service to our communities, to our families, to not just the folks who are here right now, but the next seven generations of humans, that is a way of thinking and a way of being that allows all of our problems to be solved. Because so much of the leadership, especially political leadership, has been people who look like men and adults, but behave like children, straight up. So having a world where men are clear on their purpose, their direction, their stance and their position on how they can be of service and serve the world is, I mean, it's life-changing. It's world-changing. Beautiful. Thank you. And the last thing I want to ask you with all of this is how do you feel that doing men's circles and leading these initiations and working with this is part of your spiritual path and the path of those that you are encountering? Hmm. Well, I believe strongly that the medicine that we have, the gift that is unique to us is curated, it marinated, whatever word you want to use in our own wounds, our own experiences. And for me, like I spoke about at the beginning of this conversation, I didn't have the mentorship that I needed. I had to go look for it. I had to travel thousands of miles <laughs> to find the circle of men that had what I needed to become the man that I am today. And I attribute 95% of the man that I am now and the man that I continue to be to my men's team, to having my men's circle that I meet with every two weeks, to talking to these guys every few days and really connecting with guys and having people know what's going on underneath the surface, behind the scenes. And so for me, I came to that realization through my own experiences of what I needed and then recognizing that there's so many other men on this planet who don't have that, still don't have that. And fortunately, we're at a time, we're at a moment in human history where a lot of other men are also starting to step up and create their own space, their own environment, climate for men looking for circles to find. It's like we're putting up these homing beacons with our unique spin, unique version of the work of, of what it means to be a man and how to show up in support of each other. And we're drawn in hordes of guys now, which is amazing. And still it's like fractions of a percentage of men who have a community of men that they would call brothers, guys who really have their back. So, you know, to answer your question simply, it's, it's because I needed it. And once I found it, I wanted to give it back to the other guys who could benefit from it too. I love that. And for people that are wanting to get involved with what you're doing, how can people find you and work with you? Yeah, well, uh, everybody can find me and reach me directly. I'm most active right now on Instagram at Jetty Azuma. So you can just look that up. Uh, you can hit me up on Facebook too, Jetty Azuma, same thing. Uh, definitely check out the rising man podcast, whether you are a man or a woman, cause there's a lot of women who've been tuning in that say they've been getting a lot of value out of the conversation. So, uh, the rising man podcast, definitely go check us out there. And we are going through, um, 
an evolution phase in the rising man. Cause it started off as a podcast and recognizing that it is a, it is a full blown movement. Uh, so we're going to be relaunching a lot of the work that we're doing on, um, on a website. It's going to be risingman.org. Look for it in the next month. It'll definitely be out by the new year at the latest. So I don't know when this episode is dropping, but, um, everything rising man related, you can, you can access through my portals, um, on social media. So check me out there. Yeah, Jetty, I was listening to your podcast and I was getting a lot of value out of it. Um, and I was feeling amped up by it. You know, there's a lot of motivational, inspirational um, energy that I'm getting from that podcast. And also, I'm very curious. You know, I like to hear how men are talking to other men. It opens my eyes in a certain way. So I think that it's worthwhile listening to, you know, regardless of gender. Yeah, well, that's what I found too. Initially, I started it because I wanted to initiate a greater conversation of what it means to be a man. And in the beginning, I just assumed that only men would be interested in that. <laughs> so that was that was my own naivete. But uh, I'm glad that women are tuning in and chiming into this because it's not an us versus them conversation. It's a we conversation. If it's anything other than a we conversation, then we. We got to take a closer look. So thank you. Thank you for being one of our sisters who's checking us out and um, tuning in. Because like I said, it's, it's about all of us. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me on the show, Jetty. Truly an honor, Sabrina. And I love what you're doing. I really appreciate you having me on here and giving me a chance to speak my truth. And to everybody else out there, make sure you support this lady right here. And I'm going to say this directly as a, as a fellow podcaster, make sure you love up on her and support her. If you believe in what she's doing, then do your part to help her message get out there. Cause it's, it's the, we can't do it by ourselves. That's for sure. There's a lot of blood, sweat and tears that goes into doing this. So I, I respect you. I acknowledge you and admire you for stepping forward and uh, making this space for others to benefit from. Thank you, Jetty. Yeah, you got it. Thanks for listening. I had a great time meeting Jetty and really appreciate his voice and work. Recently, I had a poignant conversation with a friend, and she said that what really broke through for her in her process of calling in partnership was healing her relationship with the masculine, and it's been ringing in my head ever since. I'm calling back to what I shared earlier about the search for conscious men, which, as a result of conversations and things I've been reading, I've come to conceptualize this more and more as a type of curious engagement and conversation with the masculine energy and essence itself. The question, where are the conscious, good, etc., whatever, men, implies a relationship to the whole of masculinity. And often there's some wounding there, and that's really up in our culture. These are deeply systemic patterns and themes, while meanwhile, we may be wanting to connect and build relationships with each other. And so we're navigating both cultivating relationship and addressing the social patterns that obstruct our happiness in love. And I think one of the ways that we can claim more agency and empowerment within this is to heal the ways that we relate. I want to offer the suggestion of looking more deeply into resources around gender expression from thought leaders who speak of the dance between masculine and feminine energy as polarity and the differences between men and women. Sometimes these ideas, even if they are traditional in some sense, are also kind of edgy because they challenge a whole barrage of mixed messaging we've received around how to do gender and how not to do gender. 
So it's a lot to sort through, right? I've found for myself that tuning into this kind of literature has helped me deepen into presence and recognition in subtle moments that I previously would have overlooked or misinterpreted. And so I become empowered to make different choices in those moments that create more harmony in the interaction I'm having and in my life in general. For as much as we study or are aware of abuses in this culture or are made aware of them through routine headlines and cultural norms, investigating empowered expressions of gender and interactions between gender can be such a life changer. It's really a whole language, I think, a praxis even, and an education we are not necessarily granted but must at times seek out. So for that, I'm truly grateful for all who are sharing their truth and wisdom as we explore these questions together. If you've been enjoying this podcast and were similarly riled up by Jetty's call for you all to support me, I was touched, leave me a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. If you take a screenshot before you click submit and email it to me at sabrina at monarchastrology.com, I'll take down your email. I'm working on a free gift to send to podcast reviewers and you'll be the first to receive it when it's ready. Thanks for being here and catch you all soon. Have a blessed week.